There's no more that I need to say. I, I get to every day watch what I consider the greatest mom in the world work. Um, she takes care of three kids, keeps up from everything, from Social Security numbers to where they need to be to what tests they have. To I don't see how she does all of it, but she's an incredible lady, and I give her all the credit for everything that, that Taylor and Nathan and Caitlin have become. And, um, of course, she gets the blame, too, now. Don't get, don't, don't, so if something goes wrong, I'm, all the pressure's on her. She's going to take all the credit. But I give her all the credit for everything that they are, and uh, she does an incredible job every single day. And I speak that not to her, but I speak that to every one of you moms that we as husbands and family, we get to watch you work. We're thankful for you. And uh, I, I, there's no, no way to say it best, but I hope today you have a wonderful day. I hope somebody reminds you how special you are and uh, that all of your labor is not in vain. It's not. There's a generation coming because of you, and we're thankful for that. All right. Uh, last week, we jumped into the second part of this sermon, and usually, which is normal, it creates as many questions as it answers. Uh, anytime I begin to talk about the Spirit and, and move into the Spirit, talking about His role, His purpose, what He does, it, it creates questions. It's, it answers questions and creates more. And, and I, I, I hate to break it to you, I've been following him uh, through being saved since the age of eight years old, and I'm still having questions and answering questions. It is a consistent process because God in the spirit realm is so broad and he can move in so many different ways. What we want to do so many times is put him in one category and just say, well, the spirit works like this, and it only works like this. I used to get tickled with Kenneth, and Kenneth would, would say, you know, I, I, I felt the power of God or whatever one time like that, and, and, and not sure if I, if I spoke or mumbled or whatever I did or whatever, and, and, and I'm not sure what I have. And he spent years, like, worried, you know, I, I'm not sure what I got. And, not, and, and, the, and the thing was, he was bringing more people to church every single week than anybody in my church. I'm like, well, you need to stay confused, because whatever's confusing you is doing good. And, and, and what I want you to realize is, is we get so caught up in, because I grew up in this. I grew up in this thing, well, you got to, you know, if you got this special prayer talk or special this, or spe understand that what God is trying to do is give you a gift. And it's a gift of power, love, and a sound mind. It, it's, it's, the, it's the gift that you're after. And it shows up in different ways. Some people are more charismatic. Some people are less charismatic. I'm not worried about all of that. What I want to know is that just as we begin to last week, as people lined up and we begin to lay hands on people and some receive in different ways, some, some feel like I get more, what you're learning is, is how to walk or how to respond to the Spirit moving in your life. Another way to put it is this way, is that what God is wanting to do is to put you in a position to where you know how to be consistently filled with the Spirit. So that you don't just get filled one time 42 years ago. I spend my life being continually filled. I have to pour out all the time. So when people watch me or see what I do or how I move in the spirit, they're like, man, I wish. But understand, it's not that I, it's, it's just like this one time power gift that you get. It's like a filling and then it drains and then you have to feel and it drains. So what I've learned to become good at is not being full, I've learned to be good at getting filled. Learning how to listen through music and just be listening, walking around the house and just filling up. Just being able to hear someone else preach and just filling up. Being able to just pray and fill up. I find all these different avenues in my life so that I can stay full. Because you wouldn't want me to walk around like, you know, hey, Pastor Lott, what do you think? I think the world is horrible and it's just not going to work and and I, I just, you know, no. You're like, Pastor, you need to go pray. You, you need to go spend some time with the Lord. And, and why? Because what you learn is, is how to be filled. So let's kind of recap, and then I'm going to move to the second one. But I need to recap and make sure we're, we're all good and we're all square. And it's not a problem doing this because I want to make sure more than anything that we have a good understanding of what I'm talking about. So go back with me to 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 through 8. 
Therefore, I remind you to do what? To stir up, or in later terms, and we'll use some scriptures in a few minutes, to refill or to fill up on the gift of God, which is where? In you, through the laying on of my hands. So there was a time when Timothy (coughs) received this giftedness, received this power, And it came because others had prayed and laid hands on him. He had received. Now, does that mean that from that moment on, Timothy's got it? No. He said, said, what? Timothy, it's becoming dormant in your life. He's writing to Timothy because fear is starting to push down the anointing. It's starting to push down his courage, his strength, his love, his energy. And he's telling him, Timothy, now stir it up. You have to learn how to feel. I can't be there. I can't come pray with you right now. You need to learn to feel. You've got to feel yourself, stir yourself with the gift of God which came through the laying on of my hands. Because remember, Timothy, this is what you need to realize. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of So if you're operating in this fear, in this uh, intimidation, in this anxiety, in this worry, then that's not of God. You're, You're moving toward the fear side of your life. So when people say, Pastor, man, you just, you know, Pastor Lot, all seasons, man, there. No, what makes our church so unique is that hopefully we are continually being filled with the Spirit continually in our prayers, continually through the music we listen to during the week, continually through what we hear on Sunday, continually through, we are constantly being filled. And what happens when we're consistently filled? It creates within us courage to be able to do things that a lot of people wouldn't do. It's, it's not that we're just, just like crazy going to do this. No, it's because God says, when I find people who are being consistently filled, courage, power, this starts to become normal. When you see churches or individuals who say, well, I love the Lord, but they are not stirring up the gift that's in them, their life will eventually become a life of intimidation. I love the Lord, yes, but I'm not sure he heals. I love the Lord, but you know, I'm not sure he really hears my prayers. I love the Lord, but you know, God just does what God wants to do. We start walking away from Scripture where it says lay hands on the sick and they might get healed. No, it says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, you're going to have a hard time balancing that in your life. Why? Because you're going to have to work from Scripture compared to what you've settled in your heart that's easier to accept. Because if you really believe that God heals and that the gift of healing has already been given through Jesus' stripes. He says, by his stripes, you were healed. If you believe that, then if someone's sick in your house, and you're sitting over there, and they're sick, and you think, I ought to pray with them. I I don't know. I don't know if I should pray with them. They probably don't want me to pray with them. They probably don't. Or if you know that healing works, and someone in your house is sick, you would walk up to them and say, we need to pray. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. I'm telling you, we fix to pray. Bow your head. Why? Because I'm not asking you through intimidation. I'm telling you through what I know. I'm not operating out of fear. I'm operating out of power and of love and a sound mind. That's, that's all I'm trying to get you to understand. This is the difference. So when you're looking at your life, how do you react? If you've got an issue in your life, you've got a kid in your life that's this, you know, that kid, man, I don't know how they're going to ever, Lord, Lord, just have to do something. Or do you believe that if I raise my child in the way they should go, in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord, that when they are old, they will not depart. And I'm going to hold God to it. I'm going to drag them kicking and screaming to church every single week. I'm going to pray for them every single night. I'm going to go in the room when they ain't acting right and lay hands on them. I'm going to do why? Because I'm not living my life through intimidation, but through power. Does that make sense? And I don't care if you flop on the floor when you do it. I don't care if you jump around like this. I don't care if it will. Whatever makes you feel, move, that's great. But do you have power? That's the key. So when people watch me, what I want them to see is not my, you know, calisthenics. 
I want them to see, does he operate in power? Does he, does he see things, believe things, stand on things? So verse 8 says it this way. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Now here he's talking to Timothy now. And he's saying, I know you're scared. I know, I know, I know you're intimidated. But Timothy, you've got to stir this up, son. Don't, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me. Share with me in what? Share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the... So if God says, I've put you through this, I'm giving you the power to do it. I'm giving you the power to go through the difficulty. The place you work, God says, I'm giving you power to live in it. The, the ailments in your body, I'm giving you the power to live with it. I wake up every day of my life with stuff that don't work right. My elbows, my shoulders, my knees. If I was to go to a psychiatrist and them check me out, they say, you need to be on some kind of medication. You can either live your life walking around like, oh, you know, I ain't right. There ain't nothing wrong. So, I'm like, get a life. Either lay down and die or get enough faith to say, I'm going to be all right. Well, how do I get it? Find you a place, get on your knees, and don't get up until you are all right. And if you can't get through yourself, call me. I'll come lay hands on you, and we'll both pray until you're all right. But that's, that's what all seasons was created as. Because when we started winning people, we weren't winning the people that were already put together. We had to win people that everybody else said, don't come to our church, go to all seasons. Some of y'all are people's cousins that they sent here. Yeah, that's, that's who you are. I knew your moms and your grandparents. And they said, well, we wanted them to come over here, but you know they just don't fit where we are. And we thought all seasons would be a great place. So we, we encouraged them to go there. I'm like, I'm glad. Because we ain't got a problem. Because we've got enough power to accomplish. Just don't be ashamed of it. Don't, don't be embarrassed by it. Don't, don't be let people think, well, it's got to... No. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the power of the gospel. Listen, Jesus understood this. This is our heritage, folks. Go to Luke 3 and 22. Let me walk you through real quick. The enemy, what he wants you to do is to have a form of godliness without power. That's his goal, to have a form without any power, to say, I believe in Jesus, but your life can't get fixed. Here's what it says. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and the voice came upon the heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and, and you I am well pleased. This is Jesus. Before he starts his ministry, <coughs> he is filled with the Spirit. We as Christians, we believe in, in, in this trinity that God shows himself in three different forms, and, and exp explain that if you want to. But the fact is, is that God describes himself God who is one describes himself as, as a son and describes himself as a father and describes himself as the Holy Spirit. And he said, one part of me is the spirit. And the spirit comes and infills and indwells. And I did it for my son just like I do it for you. My son who was on earth, the spirit fell on him, ascended on him, <coughs> and then led him into the desert where he was tempted of Satan. So Jesus, his ministry and life was always empowered by the Spirit. Go to Luke 4 and 1. <clears throat> and Jesus being, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is his life. He is our living example. So if Jesus says, I am filled. Don't you think it's important for us to be filled? 
Let, let me tell you how important it is. Go with me to Luke 24 and verse 48. I won't even ask you from my account. How about let Jesus say it himself? When Jesus was leaving, how important is it to be filled with the Spirit? Behold, I send you the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be what? Endued with what? Power from on high. He said, you've been ministering, you've been going around city to city, you've got the ministry down, you've got the sermon down, you've got everything down, but you're not ready. You go to Jerusalem and wait. Why? Because until you be endued with power, you can't accomplish what I need you to accomplish. You can't face all that I need you to face. Now go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power. That's, that's not me, that's him. So one test that we can ask ourselves is if the Spirit is working in our life and if the Spirit is operating and if the Spirit is, is, is filled inside of us and if we're moving in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, here's the one way in which we know that it's right. We will not live through intimidation or fear. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. He said, Timothy, one test of the Spirit is working in your life. Do you feel timid? When you go to school, do you feel intimidated to share what you know about the Lord? When you go to work, do you feel intimidated? When you're in front of your family, do you feel intimidated to stand up and say, that's not right? Or that's not what the Bible says. Do you feel intimidated to just back up and to give a, when, when you see someone in need and yet you just don't know what might happen? He said, Timothy, if that's what's operating in your life, that's not God. Do you feel timid or do you feel strengthened from the Lord? Which one is it that you're operating in? Listen, when he tells Timothy through 2 Timothy, I don't, I don't think many times we understand just how tough this last letter is. This is a difficult letter that he's writing to Timothy. L listen, let me just share with you the six things, six things that he pulls from 2 Timothy that he's telling Timothy he needs to understand. He says, Timothy, number one, I need you to hold fast to what you've been taught. So if I told you today, when you leave here today, here's the number one thing I need you to do when you leave here. I need every single one of you to live exactly what you've been taught. Don't compromise it. Don't criticize it. I need to know, do you have the power when you leave here today to live what you've been taught? If you say no, then you're living in intimidation. He says, Timothy, let me tell you something else. Commit what you know to faithful men. In 2 Timothy, he writes, he says, here's the second thing I need you to know. He, he said, I want you to look up people. Don't worry about the, 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 the dipsticks and the, and, and the in-betweens and the, and the lukewarm. Don't worry about that. Those people are going to come and go. Don't spend a whole lot of energy and a whole lot of lost sleep. I bump into people all the time like that. But what I look for is the people I can pour into who have a heart and a desire that say, I want to lock on to you. I want to spend time with you. And I'm like, I'm a hard person to keep up with. I, I'm, I'm somebody, you probably going to quit before I quit and you ain't going to start when I start. But if you want to hang in there, come on. Why? Because I want to learn what it is that you have. I want to learn from you. And listen to me. You, he said, Timothy, when you find people like that, those are the people you commit what you know. So sometimes you're like, well, I'm just going to, oh, so-and-so over here, I'm just going to argue with them. Mm -mm. Somebody over there that says, well, this is what I believe. Sounds good. Well, Pastor Lot, that's not right. I know it. But trying to explain it to them would be an impossibility. Well, you know, I'm sickly, Brother Lot. You are a very sickly person. I'll be praying for you. And for me to tell them, you're not sick by the grace of God. You are healed. I declare in the name of Jesus. You. I wouldn't see them for six months. I'd scare them to death. 
Why? Because even though I'm quoting all the scripture, that's, that's not their mindset. So, so in, he says, Timothy, you're going to have to find faithful people to commit this to. Number three, he says, beware, Timothy, of some men because they love babbling. I don't talk a lot, except when I'm up here. I don't, I don't talk a lot. I don't like talking. If I could spend the rest of my life and not have to talk, I would be happy. Because I don't like babbling. Most stuff people talk about tomorrow, it don't mean nothing. I don't like babblings. I don't like what's chaos today and settled tomorrow. We like each other today. We're ex-friends tomorrow. I, I, I don't get into that. I live my life by purpose. And he says, Timothy, don't spend a whole lot of time with people just babbling. Thank you. Does it sound that bad? Don't, don't spend a lot of time battling. Don't spend your time arguing. Number four, he tells Timothy, evil men will grow worse, Tim. Oh, great. If y'all haven't realized it, it's going to get worse at work, in the country, in life, in your family, brother against brother, sister against sister, mother against, oh, Lord, we're getting into moms now on Mother's Day, yes. Why? Because... As time begins to grow, there are going to be a lot of imposters in the world. It's going to be a lot of people that go to church, a lot of people that, that claim Jesus, but have no lifestyle, have no working knowledge, have no relationship with him. He said, Timothy, just know that this is normal. And then number five, he looks at him in the midst of all this and he says, oh, by the way, preach the word. Just preach that word, son. Just keep preaching. Number six, he said, end times will come. Perilous times are coming, Timothy. Look at the person beside you and say, it's going to get bad. That's not, that's not what you want to hear. It doesn't mean it's going to get bad for us because if we have power, we're going to overcome the world. We already have. But if you think you're going to mingle, mix, Connect, dress like, act like, talk like, walk like, and it not rub off on you. My dad used to have a wonderful saying. He said, Tim, you hang around dogs with fleas long enough, you're going to get fleas. Don't get mad. I can't believe I got fleas. No, you're going to get fleas. And if you keep mingling with this world, you're going to look like it. It's going to affect you. You're going to have the same lifestyle and the same look. And he says, Timothy, preach the word, but understand the end times, it's going to be. In fact, let me just say, 2 Timothy 3 and 12, pull that up. Same, same book. We'll just read one of the verses. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will We'll do what? They're not everybody's going to like you at school. Not everybody's going to like you at work. Daniel was one of the greatest employees the king had, and everybody tried to kill him. It's just part of who you are. There's a war that's going on between Satan and God. And that war has you in the middle of it. And you have chosen a side that you're going to represent God. Any of those who desire to live godly for Jesus Christ in this present world will endure the persecution that comes with it. And you say, how can Satan do that? Because he's got kids just like God's got kids. And some of his kids might be related to you physically. And you may be a spiritual child over here, but over here on your physical side, man, all the whole hell is coming against me through all my other family. That's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees and talked about whose daddy they were and whose dad. He said, your dad's the devil. Tell that to one of your enemies one day. Somebody you know, just know they ain't right. Just look and say, you know what? You act like your daddy, the devil. You won't have to worry about that friendship anymore. You will have took care of it. Jesus didn't have any problem with it. 
Go with me to Hebrews. This is what he told the Hebrews. Hebrews 2, 14 through 16. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the shame that through death he might restore him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? Bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. He said, listen, the greatest fear that the enemy had on you before you got saved was the thing that Jesus came and conquered. He said, from the time you were born, the thing you fear is death. And and, and in fact, the whole world fears it. And that fear of death, because if you can't lose that one, the big one, then none of the others will matter. Because eventually, the enemy will put you in the position where you will have to die at some area of your life. And if that area is where he figures, you know what? They'll quit you, God. Because they fear death. They fear death. Everything we do, that stuff we joked about over the last, is because we fear dying. Losing out. And he says... This is the bondage that the enemy had. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, don't fear him. Don't live in a spirit of fear. Even if you die, even to the point of death, Timothy, even if you have to, listen, I know I'm a prisoner, but don't worry about me. It's okay. Everything is working out by the power of God the way it should work out. Listen, Christians believe there's one God and three persons. The spirit was given. Go with me to Ephesians 5 and 18. Go there with me. So from the moment, from the moment I am saved, I receive the Spirit. Let's just make sure we're clear. Look at the person beside you. Say, when I got saved, I received the Spirit of God. Now, the problem is, is that after receiving this, we have not moved forward as, as disciples. We have not moved forward as to what we call a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the best way to describe that is if I have a glass and I fill it with water, it's filled, I'm saved, I've got water in it. But if I throw that water off into a lake, it's baptized in it. The water moves the glass, the glass doesn't move the water. See, the disciples, all most of their lives following Jesus, they could quit him or stop him. But they would always ask, do you believe in me? Oh, yeah, I believe in you, Lord. We got, you know, but, but I'm in control. After the day of Pentecost, there was no more control. The only thing they have to worry about from that moment on is whether fear or anxiety will rob them of the power that now has been given to them. So that's why in Ephesians, here's what the apostle writes. And do not be drunk with what? With wine, in which is dispensation, but be filled. The word filled there means to be continually filled with what? The goal is, is to have a constant refilling in your life. This is how you do this. Just, just like if you were, if you were an alcoholic, you don't get filled and say, man, I got drunk 42 years ago. I've been good ever since. No. You're constantly preparing, buying, stocking up. To do what? To be refilled. And he said, just like you would drink wine, understand, be filled with the Spirit in the same way. Go to 2 Corinthians 1 and 22. Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a what? So not only is he our filling, but he's also been put in us for our guarantee so that as we feel him, as we are constantly refilled by him, it is like a guarantee. Anybody ever like to check your bank accounts? He's the guarantee 
It's like when you get close to him, it's like calling up the bank and saying, can you just give me my, I know they do it automated now, so it's just like your account balance is blank, blank, blank now. But when you're filled, when I, when I have people come down like last Sunday, what I'm hoping is, is that their account, what's your account, man? I'm okay. I am all right. I am on my way to heaven. I am good. Ain't nothing weapon formed against me is going. Why? Because the refilling, the refilling of the Spirit not only guides you, teaches you, but is your guarantee, is the seal, the guarantee that you are good. Okay. Now, in Acts 2, this timid group of disciples are struggling. They go to Jerusalem. Jesus is gone. What are we going to do? Acts 2 verse 8, we find that that the Spirit falls. They are filled. Each one is filled. They begin to pray in other tongues. They begin to come down. They're they're, they're worshiping. They're praising. They're prophesying. They are filled with the Spirit. But then Acts 4 and 8 says this. Go there with me. Acts 4 and verse 8. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. This was after the day of Pentecost. Peter is full of the Spirit. He preaches. The other stand beside him. All of them full of the Spirit. 3,000 get saved. They, they go shortly after. They, they go and heal another person at the temple. The, the Pharisees can't understand what's going on. They beat them. They tell them, quit teaching in Jesus' name. They decide, look, we're going to listen to God more than you. They go back to the other disciples. They gather in a room, and Peter and them tell them what happened. And they said, man, we, you won't believe what happened. We stood in front of the, the, the Pharisees and we were able to stand there and, to, and man, what did they pray? Lord, give us all boldness to be able to preach and speak. And what happened again? The Spirit fell again and filled them. And guess what he gave them? More boldness. What is happening? It is a filling and refilling. It is a filling and refilling. Now this same Peter, the reason I want you to realize this, go with me to Galatians 2 verses 11 through 13. If I had time today, I would show you this same Peter is told to go to Cornelius' house in Acts. Remember? He's up on a rooftop praying. This man full of the Spirit, praying. And all of a sudden, God shows him a picture and he says, I want you to eat. There's a blanket. It comes down with all these different animals. And he says, I want you to eat. And and Peter's like, no, Lord, can't do that. I'm too good for that. And God corrects him. He goes to Cornelius' house, not happily. In fact, the first thing he tells them, he says, now you know I'm a Jew and you're a Gentile and I'm really not supposed to be here. I always wondered why the Cornelius miracle happened the way it happened, and it's not surprising, is because Peter probably would have never laid hands on any of them. I always wondered why Peter starts to preach, and as Peter is preaching and sharing the gospel, the Bible says the Spirit fell on Cornelius and them. And I used to think, man, why didn't Peter lay hands? Because Peter wouldn't have touched them. Look at the person beside you and say, because Peter wasn't filled. What? You, it, it, it's, a, it's always a, a, a filling and refilling. In Galatians 2, let me show it to you real simple. This, this Peter who is, who is this incredible. I mean, Peter has such an anointing that when he's got it going good, they build fires and his shadow heals people. But when he's got it going bad, he just kind of like leaves the reservation. And so he decides he's going to go down and see the church in Antioch. I'm going to visit the church in Antioch. That sounds like a great thing, but here's what happened. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Man, what would the Roman Catholics think about that? Their first pope, somebody had to correct him. But he did. 
Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him face to face because he was to blame. For before certain men came to James from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. So at first, man, he's at church. It'd be, it'd be like, it'd be like me if, if I was, if I'd come and I'm, I'm, I'm just hanging out and we go to the back back here and we're going to eat. And, and at first, you know, I just, I just eat with all of y'all and, and it's just all good. And all of a sudden, you know, some, the mayor shows up and some, some bigger people. And I'm like, I just kind of leave y'all and I go sit with them. And I kind of act like I don't know y'all. No, Peter wouldn't do that. No, Peter did that. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing, listen to the word in there, look at the person beside you and say, fearing, fearing, Peter, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So there's this whole group sitting over by themselves that won't talk to the other group. The first church split. And Paul went right straight to the table and said, look, y'all need to get your act together. Either we all got saved by faith or we didn't. That's what he tells Peter. He said, Peter, you don't live right. You don't live like a Jew. If you're going to say you're a Jew, then you've got to live up to all the rules, and you know you don't do it because I know you. And now you're going to turn around and say you don't like us Gentiles unless we act like a Jew. He said, that's hypocrisy. Well, but I want you to understand, I'm not trying to preach it from that side. I just want you to understand that fear, when it enters in, this same man who can raise dead people, this same man who can, by his shadow, when fear enters in, faith. I don't want y'all to, to, to see it. Any, I want you to realize that every one of us in this room, that whether it be Peter or Paul, because Paul even wrote about himself at times, he says, I was with you in tears and in fear. Fear's natural. But when fear becomes intimidation and it causes me to act in a way I shouldn't act, then it becomes wrong. And when fear walks in, faith walks out. So why, Brother Lot, do we do praise and worship on Sunday morning? Is it, is it just so we have 15 minutes before you preach? No. You should be standing up and you should be praising. It shouldn't nobody have to make you praise God. Why? Why am I doing it? Because what I'm trying to do is I want to fill up. I don't know what next week is. I don't know what the doctor might say. I don't know what's going to take place. So what I'm doing is, is I'm building myself up, as the apostle said, through spiritual songs. I'm building myself up through clapping my hands. I'm building my, I'm not doing it to be so, I, the, the opposite of it is I'm just going to sit here, you know, that's a beautiful song. It ain't changed anything about me. It's just a beautiful song. So when we're asking you to worship, when we're asking you to move, the only thing I'm hoping for every single Sunday is that every one of you in this room leaves filled. If you came and walked out not filled, then you're unprepared for whatever the enemy has for you next week. I don't care if you're Paul or Peter or Tim Lott. Every one of us is in a spiritual walk. And your problem next week won't be because Pastor Lott didn't preach a good enough sermon. It won't be because you didn't like the music or it was too loud or too this or the air conditioning was so... Now I'm going to tell you what your problem is. Your problem is you're drying up spiritually. Go with me in your Bibles to 1 John 4, 4 through 6. <coughs> Maybe I'm just not able to move around enough today. I'll just kind of just sit in there just real quiet. Probably just hoping I don't pass out trying to talk. 1 John 4, 4 and 6, here's what it says. For 
you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is what? Greater than he who is in the world. That's what the enemy doesn't want you to realize. Your problem today is not your problem. Your God is already bigger than your problem. Your problem is, are you filled enough with the Spirit to be able to look at your problem and declare it unable to stop you? I'm having to do that right now. I'm walking through buildings and and, and somebody says, how long you got? Four weeks. But my God is bigger. Because my God is bigger than my problem. Greater is he that's in me than anything that's in this world. Listen to verse 6. Verse 5. We'll go back to verse 5. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world. And the world... I don't have time. But I'm going to tell you why a lot of ministries can fit in anywhere. Because the theology they preach ain't no different than the theology you hear on the drugstore counter. It's no different. Now, what I'm going to teach you is going to stretch you. I know it's like, Pastor, I understand that. And it's not going to sound great to the world. But listen to what he says, verse 6. We are of God. And he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know that the spirit of truth, that we have the spirit of truth and not the spirit of... That's how you know it. So that when somebody says something from Scripture, you're like, that's right. Some of y'all need to get good at just saying amen. You just need to start practicing it. Church is a good place to practice it. If I say something scriptural, if I read a scripture and you're like, that's scripture, amen. What are you doing? You're just saying, I agree. The Spirit says, I agree. Or the Spirit says, I don't know about that. I know it's what it says, but you know it don't work like that. That's your flesh. That's not, that's not spirit. Go to Ephesians 3 and 16. That we would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with what? With might through his spirit in your... That's the purpose. The whole purpose of your Christian life is so that you would have infillings of the Spirit so that you would be strengthened on your inner man so that you could handle what you could not handle on your own. I'll show it to you. Because we use the word and... and, Second part. I'm going to preach love in about five minutes. Is that okay? I know everybody preaches love four hours and they preach everything else five minutes. But I'm going to preach... Love five minutes because love is the attachment of what I just preached to you. I'm going to show it to you. Is that okay? See, if you start with love, it won't work. If you start with love, it won't work. It has to start with power. Okay, the scripture I showed you all ago was 1 John 4, 4 through 6, right? Let's read it again. Let me show it to you. 1 John 4, 4 through 6. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What's that? That's power, right? That's power. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. And by this we know that the spirit of truth or the spirit of, and the spirit of error. So he says, okay. It's all about power. You've got to have the Spirit, the Spirit of God. The Spirit, you'll know the difference between truth. Now go to verse 7. Beloved, let us... Hold on, the very next verse is what? Beloved, let us love, for love is of... And everyone who 
loves is born of God and knows. He says, listen to me. It starts with power that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And through that knowledge and through that power, you are able to love, not like the world loves, but love like God loves. It doesn't start with just love. I'm just going to love. and God, I need you to give me more strength to love people. No, no. You need more strength, and then you will be able to love people. See, you've got it mixed up, and as long as you keep it mixed up, you'll always be praying. Well, brother, like there's just some people you can't love. That's because you don't have enough power. If you got enough power, you can love anybody. Jesus had enough power that even people that were piercing his side, throwing thorns on his head, and doing all of it, Jesus never went to the garden and said, God, give me more love. What he needed was power to be able to face what was going on. And what came from the power was love. Because God is power... He also is love. Why, Brother Locke, could I face death? Because Peter, Paul could look and say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your... Because I've got power over it, I don't have fear of it. We used the scripture a while ago. In fact, let me throw a couple more on you, just in chapter 4 right there. Go to verse 16 through 18. I'll show a few more. And we have known and believed the love of God has for us. God is love. You hear people say that all the time, don't you? You hear politicians say that. Well, you know, God is love, but they ain't got no power. And he who abides in love abides in... Well, how am I going to abide in love? Power. It takes a lot of strength to keep loving some folks. Don't look at that person, but just, just know. You can just kind of nudge them. Like, he's telling the truth. It takes a lot of God to love you. But thank goodness God, greater is he that's in me than anything that's in this world because I got enough power to keep loving. That's what he says. God is love, and he who abides in, abides in him, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of, because as he is, so are we in the world. Listen, love has been perfected among us in this. How is love strengthened? How is love grown? How do we have this great love? Why? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The Spirit of God, as we talked a while ago, is constantly reminding us, I'm sealed, I'm ready, I know who I am. And because of that boldness, my love doesn't run out. In fact, Jesus, his last words dying, could look from a cross and say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Where does that love come from? from power of knowing the judgment that is to come. Ephesians 3 and 16, we read that a while ago. Let's read it again. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit, where? To the inner man. For what purpose? Let's read that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in... Brother Lott, I just want to learn to love people better. Then you've got to have more power. I'm praying that you have more strength on your inner man. Why? Because if you have more strength, you'll be able to love better. Well, I just wish God would give me strength to love. God gives you strength, and that through that strength, you are able to love. 
See, the world can't love like that. The world can only love the people that love it, that do good to it. If you don't treat me good, I don't treat you good. If, if you say ugly things about me, I say ugly things. If, if you disrespect me, I disrespect you. That's how the world loves. But it takes strength, spiritual strength. What made Christians in, that changed the world 2,000 years ago, what made them special was that if you beat them, persecuted them, killed them, they kept loving you. They kept forgiving you. They kept speaking good when you spoke evil. They kept doing good when you did bad. They were sold out because they were stronger on the inside than the world was. That is your calling card. So that's verse 16. Verse 17 says this. Notice verse 18. may be able to comprehend so that through the love you may be able to comprehend what with all the saints, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the what? Fullness of God. Notice filled, filled, filled. Go to Philippians 2, 1 through 4. So this power, you've been given power and love. That's what he told Timothy. You've been given power and love. This is what he says. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same, what? Love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than him. See, if I tell just somebody that's just here, if I tell you to do that, you can't do it. If I tell you this morning, I I want you to think of others better than you think of yourself. I want you to make sure that other people are treated as good as you treat yourself. That's impossible. Brother you can't do that. Only unless you have enough power to do that. You can't get up every day and think of others before you think of yourself unless there's enough power to do it. And the only way you will have power to do it is you have to be constantly refilled. Because it runs out. Some days, faster than others. Sometimes there's a lot more withdrawals than there are deposits. You mothers need to enjoy the deposits today. Because most of the time, they're withdrawals. Lots of withdrawals. Go with me to one more place and I'll show you something. Romans 8, 35 through 39. So if I'm being continually filled, if I'm operating in this power, this power that I keep telling y'all about, this power that I tell y'all to pursue, this power that I tell you that you need beyond just just your first initial, I got saved, but pursuing a filling and a continual filling. How do I know that I need it? Because if you're living in areas of your life today of fear, anxiety, you're not satisfied, you're not then. That is an area God says, let me fill that with my spirit. Let me cover it with my power and you will be fulfilled in my love. You will have power, love, and as we'll learn next week, a sound mind. But here's what Romans says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I want you to think about that. Go back to that verse. Today, if, if you have two flat tires before the day's over with, if you get food poisoning at lunch, if, if somebody picks a fight with you and hits you with a two by four before you get to your house, 
just because they don't like you or they thought you looked at somebody wrong. Or they, if, if you lost your job today and, and everything just seemed to go upside down, if you house burned while we were here at church today and you lost all your clothes and all your memorabilia, if the government decides to pass a law tomorrow that you can't worship God anymore, you can't... Is there anything that you know of that can separate you from God's love? See, when he mentions that, he's not, he's not mentioning it like, oh, nothing can separate me because God loves me. No, no. What he's saying is, is in the heat of life, is there anything in you that would think, God don't love me? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you're not filled, the first thought that will come across your mind is that God doesn't care. If he did, he wouldn't have let my house burn. He wouldn't have let my car have flat tire. He wouldn't have let this happen. He wouldn't have let... See, that's how we live our life. We're all good Christians until famine, distress, persecution. Somebody looks at us wrong. Somebody don't treat us the way we want to be treated. Marriages are wonderful until it ain't going good. Then we pick the wrong person. We need to go find somebody else. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he gives us a list. Listen to what he says. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. The height of the Christian life, guys, is not what most people think. You know what most people tell me every day, Sam? The best advice I get every single day of my life is I need to slow down. I need to take care of myself. I need to be, hey, you need to enjoy something. It's always about you need to quit focusing on, you need to quit dying and need to be living. Now, nobody criticizes the results. Everybody likes the results. My family loves the house they live in, the cars they drive. You like this, don't you? Ain't this a whole lot better than sitting in some tin chair somewhere with no air conditioning? Some of y'all done fell asleep three times it's so comfortable. <laughs> don't you enjoy it? But Brother Lodge, you, you need, as it is written, I am killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, see here's the difference. There's a power that most people don't realize. Yet in all these things, now he didn't say, I'm going to get away from all. No, no, I'm still dying. This is killing me. Do you understand? What I'm doing is killing me. Preaching this morning and worrying and stressing and getting up at five this morning praying for, for, for different people's families and different, it's killing me. Brother Lot, that's so sad. Oh, no, 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 don't be sad. No, 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 it was what I was called to. It took a lot of growing to get to where I didn't think about me no more. It took a lot of growing to get to where it ain't about me and my life and my house and my car and my, it, it took a long time to get to the point to where I could die all the day long understanding it yet in all things we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us who in him who loves us for I am persuaded see that power within me all of a sudden it swells up when somebody says well you don't know oh yeah I know why because I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our So I come by to ask you today, what are you afraid of? What scares you? What holds you? If you weren't afraid and you couldn't fail, what would you do? If you couldn't fail and you weren't afraid, 
what would you do? D.L. Moody said it best. He said, the world is yet to see someone who is 100% holy sold out to God. The world is yet to see it. Well, somebody who just gets up without fear and says, today I'm just giving it all. Will you stand? So this morning, I don't know how grown you want to be. I don't know how full you need to be. I just know the Apostle Paul told Timothy, Timothy, there's two choices. You'll either be ashamed of me You'll be ashamed of me because I'm a prisoner. I'm, I'm locked in, son. There's no escape clause. There's no getting out. I'm, 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 I'm locked in. Or you will do what I'm asking you to do and stir up what's in you. And don't be intimidated But preach that gospel. Be the person you're called to be. Shine the light you were called to shine. Be the salt that you were meant to be. But it'll kill me. I know it, Timothy. But you're going to die one way or the other, son. You're either going to die ashamed of what you didn't do or you're going to die proud. In my life, whatever days I have left, whatever energy there is left in this body, I run it for one purpose, to hear one voice say, well done. I'm not telling you this morning, go sell everything you got, shave your head, and join all seasons. I'm telling you to keep a search on your life and in those areas where it's like, Lord, you know I would, but you know what? Don't let fear hold you back from the greatest breakthrough that God has in your life. The thing that scares me the most right now, the thing that is killing me the most right now, is the thing that excites me the most right now. And that's good. Because they run side by side. They run side by side. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I need to be filled. I need to be filled. When I lay hands on you up here, it's not that some reaction would take place. It's that are you a candidate to be filled? I said last week, are you a candidate? And, and, and a lot of people came up here and, and, and some were just not ready. And you're like, what do you mean not ready? It had not connected from here to here yet. A candidate just means, God, I'm praising you. And, and God, you're all I got. And, and I just want you to touch me and let me know that we're doing it together. I don't need you to change anything. I just need you to feel me. I know persecution or stress or that's just part of it. I just need you to feel me so that I can be what you called me to be. And I can walk this race and run this race and finish my course. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I want to be a candidate. Can I give you advice for this week? Turn off all the other junk that you listen to. Just turn it off. Get mad at me. Just say, Pastor Lot told me to. I, I hate Pastor Lot. But 
and just turn on nothing but not just music you listen to, but, but music that challenges, music that pulls praise out of you. There's certain artists that I listen to that, that when, I, when I hear them, it's just like I start walking. And when I start walking, my eyes start filling with tears. And my hands go up and I start getting filled. I start pressing toward his presence. Listen to some sermons, not just, not just something that makes you feel a little better, but something that challenges you. Pursue him. And let the Spirit of God, as a candidate, let the Spirit of God fill you with all boldness. Fill you with all love. Fill you with all strength. Fill you with compassion. Fill you with everything you're lacking. Maybe there's someone here today that says, Pastor, I need that now. As I pray this dismissal prayer, I'm going to be up here. And if you need me to lay hands on you and pray for you, it don't matter what happens. Paul said, Timothy, stir up. Remember, I laid my hands on you. Now stir up what was deposited into you. For every person I prayed for last week, I believe in the name of Jesus, I deposited something valuable into them. If you're here and you say, I need that. I I, I haven't experienced that in a while. I live on the negative side or the doubting side. But it's time. Father, for every person in here right now, my prayer is that every Sunday they would be filled. Because they have to go into their world. They have to go and touch the lives of the people around them. They have to be a light and a witness. And God, we have an incredible church. We have an incredible church. I know I challenge them. You're like, if we're a great church, why do you keep challenging us? Because I know the greatness that's in us. Father, I challenge them. Stay full. Stay full. Just like we loved on people with our yard sale this week. Just stay full. People we loved on at God's way this week. Stay full. Don't run on half a tank. Don't stay full. There's a world that's dying that needs to see the fullness of God. Father, let us stay full. There are those this morning that need that, that the altar's open. For you others, God bless you. Go give that devil fits. You're dismissed.